Welcome to Pivot, a podcast for church leaders, co-sponsored by Luther Seminary's Faith Lead and Lead. Welcome to Pivot. I'm Terry Elton from Luther Seminary. And I'm Louise Johnson, and I work with Lead. Today, we have Pastor Marianne Kellenbach from the sunny state of Florida with us today. And so welcome, Mary Ann. And uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Good morning. Thank you so very much for having me. My name is Pastor Marianne Kellenbach, and I am the mission developer at the now organized congregation called Living Faith Church. And we are located in a master planned community in tradition. Florida, which is located in Port St. Lucie. So we are on the east coast of Florida, just south of Vero Beach and north of West Palm Beach is where we are. If you're a baseball fan and you by any chance know the New York Mets, it is where they have their spring training facility. That's a great time of the year to remind us that pitchers and catchers showed up, right? (laughs) I love it. So as a mission developer, you're pivoting already, right? You're in the midst Always. of doing all kinds of things. So talk about kind of maybe what was things like before the pandemic, kind of where were you in that mission development mm-hmm. stage? Mm-hmm. And then what has changed with the pandemic? So I started here in uh, July 1st, 2013, and there was a new start that they had tried to go here in 2013. But in 2008, Uh, Port St. Lucie is one of the cities that was the fastest growing city in the United States. And so when 2008 happened and the bottom dropped out of real estate, this community got hit really hard. And tradition was being developed as a master plan community. It was originally citrus groves. And so what happened was all of a sudden, everything, the housing boom, I mean, everything just stopped. People walked away. From here. Actually, the developer core communities went under and the bank had to take them back, is what happened. And so the mission that started here just sort of fell. And so it was a partnership with Emmanuel Lutheran Church, which is located in Palm City, which is just south of us. And so the mission was put on hold for. I'm going to say two and a half years. And then when I was coming out of seminary, I was approached as far as, you know, would I like to pick this up and start over is actually what it was, start over. So we said, yeah, sure. You know, I'm up for any challenge. I was living on the West Coast of Florida at that time, originally from New York. And so when we came over here, I mean, you could really see that this economy had gotten hit very hard. It's more than 8,000 acres we're talking here. It master plan community is when you come here, you think you're in Disney World. Lots of space, lots of outdoor activities, lots of green space, lots of parks. You know, recreation is very important here. But one of the other big things is, is that there are a lot of gated communities. We're the only non-gated community. So you have a master planned, and then you have all these different communities that are here. So building started and now it's through the roof. We started to worship in the town hall, which looks just like a church. 
because they wanted the name tradition. They wanted it to be what it was like in the, in the fifties, right? You had the church was built and then all the homes were built around it and the village green and having activities for the family, you know, on the village green. So when we first got here, the key was understanding the community, developing the relationships, getting to know what the needs were in the community and the people. I live right here in tradition. Now, how do you get behind a gate, right? How do you get behind a gate? Nobody wants you in there. We did ice cream socials. Everyone loves ice cream. So we were able to get behind the gates, meet the families, and it didn't matter. Even if it was a 55 and over community, which now we're starting to have a lot more of those, they still like ice cream. So it was a way for people to get to know who we were and talk to them. What I discovered is that when people come down to Florida to retire, they retire from everything. So when you talk about church, they had wonderful things to talk about when their kids were growing up and how involved they were. Notice the were. But I'm done with that now. It's someone else's turn to pick that up. And so as the leadership began to develop, it was like, well, you know, we don't retire from being a child of God. So what is it that you can do along with the golfing and the pickleball and the this, you know, after a while, after six months, you're done with that. So then how do you want to engage in the community and how can the church become a part of that? So I'm wondering if you would say just a little more about how you found some of those inroads, people that were tired of golf and pickleball. But I wonder, what were the longings? What were the ways in which the gospel became alive for them in ways that, well, I mean, ice cream is great and it's a great opening and beginner and relationships are good, but people don't stick around unless there's something that they need. So I'm just curious, like how you gave voice to that and then how that's changed in a pandemic. Once... I took people for coffee and we started to talk. It was like, tell me what you did. Tell me what you love to do. Tell me where God is. And you're like, sometimes they couldn't articulate that, right? They had no, like, gosh, nobody's ever asked me that question before. And coming down, so I was raised Roman Catholic. There is a large Roman Catholic presence here. So I understood when somebody said, I have no idea what you're asking me right now. I could say, I understand that because I understand the environment, the church environment that they grew up in. So as a Lutheran now, I understand that that there's lots of conversation about this. As a, the way in, in the tradition that I grew up in, you didn't have that conversation. It was just memorize this. So what I found is that's where people were. And then I could start to talk to them about, well, tell me what are the things that you enjoy doing? Oh, well, I would point out to them, my gosh, there's the Holy Spirit right there, you know, and then all of a sudden, oh, you like to crochet? Well, there's the Holy Spirit, you know? And so what started to happen is people would come to me with ideas on how to build ministries for the community or understanding what's happening in the community. So we have outside of where we live, there's a very large homeless population. And so it's like, well, how can we serve? I love to cook. What can we do? I love to volunteer. You know, like we went out into the community to find out what's already being done and how can we join that? And if it wasn't being done, what could we do? That's really interesting because I feel like 
being a mission developer in a place called tradition with people that are retired feels like I want all the church apparatus and I want somebody else to run it. Like I want it, but I don't want to do it. Right. And you're meeting them in this non-institutional expression of church. So that is really intriguing to me. And I want to ask, what was the expectation of worship? And how has that changed? Because that expression you just talked about could pivot differently in a pandemic, right? But what do you do with worship? Right. So we did not start worship right away. Emmanuel is where we would go as we started to have a group. We would go to Emmanuel. Then when we had a big enough base, then we we started. We did a lot of events in the square. I'll tell you something. It's so much easier to see the Holy Spirit out there in the community when you don't have a physical building that you're going to, because you are using the community as the space that you're meeting in, which was absolutely great. And then when we started worship, the key there was to make sure that it didn't only become about worship. And that it's, this is just a Sunday thing. No, we continue. Hence the reason the name is Living Faith. It is about living your faith every single day of your life, every moment of your life. Everyone we meet, everywhere we go, everything we do, we are Christ's hands and feet. That's what we say. And they know that. And that's what's so awesome. That's great. I want to hear more. You told me a great story about when you had to start worshiping after the pandemic. So talk about what was your worship practice before and then how has it evolved? We keep the liturgy. We just move it around. So what we discovered is parents will give you an hour and 15 minutes a week. That's it. So that's got to encompass worship and Sunday school, all right, with everything that's going on. Give me an hour, 15 minutes. I can do a lot with that. So what we did was we moved up the communion and left the sermon as the very last thing. So the kids would go off into Sunday school. Now we don't have kids coming in. The parents are afraid to bring the kids in because our kids are back in school and they don't want any of the older folks that are now that we're back in. They don't want them to get sick that anything the kids might bring in. So now I've moved it back to where people, and, I, and I've explained that. Okay, so now the sermon will come right after the word and communion will go later. They understand that it's, it's fluid from that perspective only. So we're not the high church. We're not low church either. We're somewhere in between. I had done a funeral for someone in the Catholic church, actually. I had done a funeral. And it was Friday the 13th, March the 13th, getting ready for March 15th. And we get an email that says, we strongly suggest that due to COVID-19, you not have worship on Sunday. And so it was like, okay, I got the council together quickly that evening. And our president was a cardiologist. And she said, I don't think we should gather. And so it was okay. Everyone agreed. And we quickly put something together on Saturday and recognize the fact that we were not going to the place that we rent and set it all up. We said, my gosh, we've got beautiful parks here. Let's just go into the park and do something. And it was fun. It was really fun. We had to do so many takes because it was not live stream. So one of the things, my husband is so great with technology. And one of the things he said was, and you know, we talked about it, 
why would you go to the place you normally do and just use technology to film that or to, to live stream that? Use technology. Technology is the tool. So that's what we started to do. It was like, we could take this technology anywhere. So the very first time it was in the park. So Saturday afternoon, there I am, you know, and it was really the first time that I used very limited notes in preaching because, you know, you don't want to be, <laughs> so I had to learn a whole new skill. I will tell you that we had so much fun with that. It was out and about in the community and people were forwarding the recording on to their friends and to their family. And we had outtakes because when you are out in the community, things happen. So the first time when we were in Butterfly Park, which is a park here, I stepped on a red ant hill. And red ants are fire ants and they burn. And I'm telling you, I just started jumping. I was like, ow. I mean, all you see is me, ow, he had these outtakes. <laughs> and it was, it was really very funny. We were able to get creative in not just going into the neighborhoods here, but in the summertime, I said, we're, you know, this is a time that we normally take vacation trips, things like that. It's not going to be happening. Um, because of the pandemic. So every Sunday, we're going on a trip somewhere. And you're going to learn about the ministry that we're doing here. We said, why do we exist? We don't exist for ourselves. We exist. So we are a 20% tithing out the door congregation. So what I did was went to the different places where we were providing financial support. So the first was where we do food pantry distribution and did worship from there. Let's see, we went to Hibiscus Children's Center. I used to be on the board of Hibiscus Children's Center, and we give a percentage of our offerings to them. So went there, met with the CEO. They had a tour, the whole inside, stepped outside and did worship out there. And the fun thing is that there were these guys that were painting the shelter and they stopped and they came over. We went to the hospice. We make blankets for hospice. So we went to hospice and they had this beautiful fountain and I was able to talk all about baptism. So you just used what, what was around in nature while talking about the ministry work that we were doing. I mean, I love that just your sense of passion and I can tell you had a lot of fun doing what you did. Oh my did. gosh, it was great. You're trafficking in reality, right? Like, so, the, so pandemic handed you a different set of circumstances and you figured out how to do mission in the reality that we're in and not just say, what had we done before and oh. put that online, right? But you said, what are the ways that we can we're limited in some ways, right? There's some mm -hmm. things we can't do, but what could we do, right? And I love that you started out going, hey, we can't travel, but in a pandemic, but I could go, we could take a camera from place to place yeah. and learn more about the ministries that are going on. And I, I think that's so marvelous, that kind of work that you did. And I think right now, there are so many people, church leaders asking questions about, well, what's going to happen, right? What's the church going to look like? 
And I keep saying, it's our job to shape it. And I just hear that that's what you've been doing, shaping it all along. And so my question for you is, I heard you talk about kind of helping your parishioners as if you were meeting them. Sometimes they had a difficulty articulating their sense of faith or God or whatever, but you started to identify for them, right? Where the spirit is in. Yes. And that catches my attention because I like trafficking in Holy Spirit stuff too. So I'm mm-hmm. just Mm-hmm. If you'd say a little more about how you hear and understand the spirits movement and how that's helped you kind of navigate. So actually my Pentecost moment was when I was doing CPE and I was in a, uh, a hospital that was not a trauma center at all. We were the first hospital off the beach in Clearwater. And that particular summer, they had more trauma than they had ever seen and bizarre trauma deaths that were just nonsensical. I I hate to say it like that. And they had never seen anything like that. And I remember I had time with my CPE supervisor. And she said, when you're done in the ER, I had uh, an issue also with a delivery that didn't go well. So she said, when you're done, you know, let's do our session. And I said, okay. So I get done with this one that was just another trauma, another crazy absolutely crazy. And I remember sitting down saying to her, I am done. I am done. I don't know who this God is. I don't know who this God is. I don't understand it. There's absolutely nothing I can do. You know, I mean, it was, and she said, okay, continue to talk to me. And I just said, no, I, I was starting to shut down. She said, I need you to articulate. And so I started to talk and then the tears just start. I want my plastic Jesus back. You know what I mean? Like I want, (laughs) I want that Jesus that when I won an essay contest, when I was in second grade, I want that Jesus. I understand that Jesus. I don't understand this. And I'm sobbing. And I said, could I have a tissue? And she said, no, you need to have an ugly cry right now. And it literally needs to come out. And it did. It came out. I was saying things that I couldn't believe I was saying to God because she said, you need to say it, just say it. And I was curled up practically on the floor, like practically on the floor. And then all of a sudden, this light came. It was this bluish white light just came into my body because I had nothing left. I mean, I was spent. There was nothing in there. Despair. I finally understood what despair was. When you realize there isn't anything you can do and this light just started to come in and I heard the voice say, I heard Sophia and I heard wisdom. It was feminine. It was beautiful. And it started to come into me. And all of a sudden I started picking my body up and lifting my hands. And she said, you need to tell me what's going on. And so I, I started just talking and everything shifted from my head to my heart. My heart became all knowing, all understanding, all loving, all forgiving. My head went on the back burner. Like, so that ego part was on the back burner and the heart took over and the heart was totally loving of the ego that went on the back burner. And she said to me, do you still want to go? I said, no, there are people calling out to me in this hospital. I need to go. And I showed up in rooms where people were like, how did you know to come here? We were just going to call for a chaplain. And this incredible love 
understanding. And it was so beautiful. So someone had told me, it was a, a spiritual director, and she said to me, that was the birthing of the Holy Spirit in you. And she said, can you imagine what Pentecost was like? And then she said to me, what happened was when you were empty, it's like striking the match and the darkness, you know, it's just that energy was there. And she said, what you need to do now is cultivate that match is still lit, even though you're still light. So you have to continue to cultivate that spirit in you. So that's where I am now. And if you had told me prior to 2010 that I understood the Holy Spirit, I would have told you I had no idea. Now, when I read wisdom and all that, I totally get it. I totally understand it. And so now I feel as if I can point to the places in someone's life where the Holy Spirit is present and they don't know it. And what I have found is that more and more people feel very comfortable sharing with me this presence. Wow. Thank you for that personal story, but also that God story. I understand when Luther says, you know, despair, man's despair and the Holy Spirit will fill you. And, and I never understood it until that moment that I said, I'm done. I am in control of nothing. And that truly is when you get filled up and you're like, oh my gosh. So here's my question for you. How have you encountered that maybe in smaller ways during this almost a year now pandemic? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're, We're getting close. And how have you seen other people experience that? And how have you met them? Well, especially in the deaths that have been happening where... You know, people will ask questions, especially in times of, of death and transition. And why is God allowing my loved one to linger like this? And so when I walk into a room, I can tell if the Holy Spirit is there. I know that sounds so weird. We know that the Holy Spirit is there. But if that transition is happening, and I will point that out, because when someone is dying, all someone sees is death. They don't see this new life that is happening. I truly believe this. The person has a foot in both worlds. So they're here and there. They see what's happening. That veil has become very thin, right? So we say heaven is all around us. The veil has become very thin and they're in both worlds and they're enjoying it. You're ministering in living faith in a retirement community in the midst of COVID. That those natural gifts that you have, your ability is got to be touching people in a really profound way. So I just, that's beautiful. So we did get COVID. Uh, We got COVID in June and that was a shock. One of the big things we met as a council on a weekly basis and they did start to say, well, maybe we should open up, you know, this was early on, right? So, oh, maybe we should open up, um, blah, blah. you know, some of the congregations were starting to open. I said, so here's what I'm going to say to you. What are you going to do if your pastor has COVID? What are you going to do if your pastor gets COVID? How are you going to be able to hold worship services, et cetera, et cetera? And, you know, in their mind, they were like, we're not going to get COVID. Don't you know, two weeks later, we got it. And it just hit fast. It hit hard. And I had gotten it that night. I was up all night 
And so I didn't want to say anything until our meeting was over because we had the virtual, you know, the virtual meeting. And I didn't even say anything until a few days later that I let people know once we knew we were going to be okay. And I will tell you that that hit the congregation in a new way. They said, it's one thing to hear about it on the news. It's another thing when it hits so close to home. And what I found is there would be text messages. We're bringing food over for our folks that went up north because many did, you know, return up north. They, we had like Grubhub gift certificates. They said, if I had been there, I would have made you a casserole. The outpouring of the love was amazing. And it really, people really started to think, because down here in Florida, it was like, again, Disney World, okay? <laughs> it's, it's affecting the rest of the country. It's not hitting us. I continued to do the daily meditation, record it, because that was really important for people to know that their pastor was okay. The pivoting, I had a chance to really take time and breathe. You're so busy sometimes doing things that you forget to take time to breathe for yourself. And this was almost like I had this time to sit back and say, okay, here's all that we're doing. How is this impacting people's lives? Does this matter? Should we hold on to this practice or is it time to let it go? So one of the really great things about being a mission developer is that you can instill that in the framework of your leaders that you're constantly looking. One of the difficult things about being a mission developer is everyone will come to your congregation with the ideas of what they're doing in their own congregation (laughs) somewhere else. Such wisdom and and passion about the work you're doing. And so it's a joy to listen to you and to have you with us today. I wonder if as we begin to draw this to a close, just a, a couple of pieces. One, I wonder if there is a particular scripture that that has traveled with you in this time. And if you have any counsel or advice, there's lots of wisdom in what you've already said, but as our listeners are tuning into this, I just wonder if there's any counsel you have for other church leaders that are negotiating this time. Oh, yeah. So the scripture for me has always been, thy word has been a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That has, and especially in the pandemic, it has been, do not fear, I am with you. You know, I'm with you to the end of the age. And that, that has really stuck with me during this time. For the other leaders, this is a time that is unnerving. We don't know what's going to happen next. We talk a lot about this stuff, but we don't do it. So I think that's what I want to say. I don't want to hear, I'm sorry to say, like, I don't want to hear another Oh, the church is dying. Oh, this or that. Okay, it's not. It's reorganizing. It's reinventing. And maybe there are some things that have to die and we have to say goodbye to it. It doesn't mean it didn't serve its purpose. That's how I felt during this entire mission start. If all of a sudden this doesn't move forward, it served its purpose. And so I would say we have to remember this is a marathon right? We say that all the time. It's not a sprint. It's not a race. It's a marathon. And we really and truly are all in this together. We need to lift each other up, share ideas, 
and don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to fail. And don't be afraid to reassess and say, does this still make sense? Does it still make sense? If the answer is yes, great. But if the answer is no, you have to be honest. I, I hate to say that, but I have liked this past year because it has forced people to stop and think about what's important to them. And many of our members have said that. I now realize what I can do without. I now realize that I was just filling time in my day. I now realize you know, that I was busy for no reason other than to be busy. I don't need to be this busy. And I just love that. So the key is to focus on how do you not get caught back up into where you were prior to the pandemic? Yeah, really helpful. So I'm, here's a couple takeaways. I'm amazed of the name of your church, Living Faith. I feel like that is you. That's like a commissioning for you as a, as a leader in the church, but it's also your mission and vision. It's both what drives you and where you're headed. And I'm amazed at the way that you and your congregation are weaving spiritual practices or faith practices into everyday life as a way of living out that calling. And I love your posture as a leader to be a teacher and empowerer, not in a we're going to teach from nine to 10 on a Sunday morning, but that's just a way that you lead. And that you're always saying, let's discern where the spirit is moving. I got thinking, and specifically in the end here, that there's a death and new life that we don't have to, we need to grieve what wasn't, Mm -hmm. right? Like we're saying goodbye to this way of being church or way of expressing our faith. But we don't have to be afraid that there's this glow in what is emerging. And I think we're far enough on the pandemic that we're starting to see some of those or can see them when somebody points out that new things are emerging. And we are a people of death and resurrection. Mm -hmm. And like you said, we do not have to be afraid. No. Thank you for your time this morning. And Louise, thanks for joining us for another episode. And just give us one little thing. What's coming next? Next week, we are going to talk with Pastor Krista Compton, who is a pastor in New Jersey. And we'll hear from her the ways that she has been thinking about navigating ministry in a pandemic and all that's happening in the world around us. You won't want to miss this. And don't forget, you can join us in the learning lab on luthersun.edu. You can get that link uh, with the podcast and you can continue the conversation. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for joining us for this episode of our Pivot Podcast. For more leadership resources from LEAD, you can go to waytolead.org or from Faith Lead, go to faithlead.luthersem.edu.